let us turn in our Bibles or your bulletins. You have the passage also printed in your bulletins to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55, as we uh, continue the study of the book of Luke chapter 1 in preparation for Christmas Day this coming Sunday. Luke 1, verses 39 through 55. This is the word of God. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken from her, from, to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let us pray. We thank you, God, that you uh, reveal this word to us, that you use Elizabeth and Mary to praise your name, that you reveal yourself to them in a very special way so that they could praise you and rejoice in you and what you have done. Help us, Lord, as we consider these verses to join them rejoicing and praising your name as well for who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These past two weeks, we have been looking at two events. Um, one, when the angel Gabriel sent by God visited Zechariah, the priest, when he was serving at the temple and revealed to him that his wife who was barren and was old, will bear a child. And that child will be John the Baptist, who will come to prepare the way of the Lord. Zechariah hesitated about that because he examined his condition and the condition of his wife and asked for a sign. And yet God was merciful and fulfilled that promise in them. We also saw the event when the same angel Gabriel went to visit Mary, a virgin, a woman without power, a young woman, 
uh, to bring also good news, that she will also bear a child, and that that child will be the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, who will be called Jesus, who will come to save his people. And also, in order to help Mary with such a big task, the angel Gabriel told her about what he had done six months before when he visited Elizabeth. He was strengthening Mary for this big task of bearing the child who is the Son of God. He told her that his relative Elizabeth will have a child as well and that he will have also a mission in connection with our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the two stories that are behind this passage. And now when we come to this passage, we come to where these two stories come together. Now what we see in these verses is two hymns. One is Mary exalting and praising God for what God is doing through her. And the other one is Elizabeth praising also God for what God is doing in her and through her. And we're going to focus in Mary and how she praises God. But in order to get there, it's important that we look at the context, which is the connection or the encounter between Elizabeth and Mary. So, in those days, Mary went to see Elizabeth. What better place for Mary to go after hearing this good news that she will bear a child? She heard that Elizabeth also will bear a child and that that was a miracle. Then she went right away to see Elizabeth in order to not, not to check because she believed. We know that even from verse 45 when Elizabeth is saying that she believed and she's blessed for believing. But because she wanted to see what God was doing also in Elizabeth's life. And when she entered into the house and basically she greeted Elizabeth, she said hi to Elizabeth. I don't know exactly what were the words. Something miraculous happened in Elizabeth is that the Holy Spirit came down upon her, filled her, and filled the baby that was in her. She was filled with the Holy Spirit as well as John. Two people praise God right away. Who are these two people? Elizabeth and the little baby John. He was praising God as well. And that in itself is amazing. Think about this. Elizabeth didn't know about what was going on in Mary's life, but all the sudden she knew that the Lord was in her womb, that she was in the presence of God, that she was in the presence of Almighty God. We know that she knows that through the power of the Holy Spirit. God revealed this to herself. This is why she is praising, she is blessing Mary. She's blessing Mary, and when she blesses Mary, what she's pointing is to the fact that Mary was favored by God. Remember that Mary received God's grace. That that's the reason why Mary is blessed. It is not because Mary was special in itself, but it is because God in his grace chose Mary, a humble, simple, young woman, to bear the Son of God. But also, she's praising God because she's in the presence of the Lord. 
And think about this. How old was Jesus? Such a little, tiny baby. And she acknowledged that there, that she cannot see it. Because Jesus is not out there. Jesus is not out yet. He's still in his mother's womb. She praises God because she's in the presence of the Lord. She is full of joy, gratitude, adoration for what she was able to witness, what she was able to experience, to the point that she forgot that she herself received a miracle. She was burying John. She was about to deliver the messenger that was coming to prepare the way of the Lord. In that moment, she forgot about John. It was all about the Lord. It was all about Jesus. She was a servant. She knew that Mary was a servant. And she knew that John was also a servant of the Lord. But one thing that we can say that she highlighted about Mary is that Mary believed. Verse 45 says, And blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I think that she was very smart. She found the opportunity to remind her husband that he did not believe as Mary believed. Maybe Zechariah was around and he could hear that. Right? But Mary was able to believe. And God is pleased with faith. That's what God wants from us, that we trust, that we believe, that we believe in his word. And what Mary believed was God's word, God's message to her. Therefore, she's blessed. Think about this. Think about how important it is for us to believe, to trust in God, to trust in his words. When doubts come to our minds, that they will come, you remember that you are blessed by trusting, by believing, even though you cannot see. That was the case of Mary. Now, after Mary witnessed Elizabeth praising God, I'm sure that Elizabeth, that Mary understood that she wasn't praising her. Mary understood that she was praising the Lord. Mary understood that it was all about the Lord. Sadly, people use that, blessed are you among women, and they add some other words to praise Mary. It wasn't about Mary. It was about Jesus. Elizabeth understood that. Mary understood that. John understood that. Even that little baby praised God. He understood that. It was not about Mary. It was all about Jesus. Then Mary moved to praise God. And think about how this praise starts. My soul magnifies the Lord. By the way, if you're familiar with this hymn, it's called the Magnifica, or people know it as the Magnifica because it comes from the Latin that is translated here as magnify. It's also translated into Latin as Magnifica. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What is the end or the chief end of man? To worship God and enjoy his presence forever. Do you see that that's exactly what Mary is doing at this very moment? She's magnifying God. She's praising God. 
He's praising the Lord for who he is and what he has done, and he rejoices in that. It's not that she's praising God out of compulsion that, oh, I have to praise God because otherwise something bad is going to happen to me. She's praising God full of joy. That's what God wants from us. Sometimes we focus only in that part to glorify God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy his presence forever. No, enjoying his presence forever is important because it's a manifestation of our real adoration. We worship God because we rejoice in the Lord. So she starts saying this statement that, that clarifies to what, what she's doing with the rest. She is glorifying God and enjoying in God. Now, one important thing that you should notice here in verse 47 says, And my spirit rejoices in, my, in God, my Savior. Mary understood that she needed a savior as well. She could not save anyone. She needed a savior as well. Sometimes people intercede through Mary. Some people intercede through Mary as if Mary can help them to get their prayers before God easily. I actually asked one time a student, why? Why do you need to pray through Mary if you have Jesus? Jesus is there. Just go through Jesus. And she said, Mary's a mother. She can understand me better. Sadly, Mary, sadly for her, that person, because Mary understood that she also needed a Savior. And she's praising God. She's praising the Lord because God was his Savior. Now, what he does with the rest of these verses is she gives us reasons why she magnifies, glorifies God, and rejoices in the Lord. And these reasons, you can divide them, you can divide them into three aspects of God's nature. His mercy, his might, and his righteousness. If you look at these verses, you are going to find that in them, Mary is describing God's mercy, God's might, his power, God's righteousness, his holiness. Let's look at what Mary says about God's mercy. Verse 48, he has looked on the humble state of his servant. Mary is here speaking about something that is very personal to her. Think about this. She knew she was just a young woman from a village with no power, with no influence, Nothing, just a servant. Not just a servant of the Lord, but a servant in the world. God didn't choose one of the daughters of the kings of the world, but God chose this young, humble woman. What she understood is that it was all about grace. He has looked on the humble state of his servant. She understood that she was favored or that she had found favor with God. She understood grace. She understood that she didn't deserve to be the bearer of the Son of God. She understood that she didn't deserve to be in a so close relationship with God. And therefore, she understood God's mercy upon her. But not just that. It was, only, it was not only for her. She understood that this was extended 
to anyone else who fear him. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him. So the mercy was not only for Mary, but the mercy is for you, for me, for people in the past, for people in the upcoming generations, those who fear the Lord. Not those who are afraid of the Lord, but those who respect the Lord, those who adore the Lord, those who recognize who the Lord is. Therefore, they fear him. Therefore, we fear him. His mercy is for us who fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And we know that you and I don't fear the Lord because, because we are smart enough to fear the Lord or because we are a godly people who fear the Lord. We fear the Lord because even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Therefore, we have seen the kingdom of God. We have entered into the kingdom of God, and we are able to see God for who he is. And his mercy, his mercy, God's mercy is for those who fear the Lord. Verse 52, and exalted, the last part or the half of verse 52, and exalted those who are of humble estate. Who are those of humble estate? Is he talking about political or socioeconomic status? Those who are poor in the world, those who have not? Actually, he's not talking or she's not talking about that. She's talking about those who recognize who they are. This is what is to be humble before the Lord. It happened that many people who are poor and recognizing who they are because they have nothing to be proud of, but I also know a lot of people who have nothing and they still feel very prideful about their lives. It can be rich or it can be poor. If you are of humble estate, you have received God's mercy. Humble estate is to recognize who God is, first of all. Remember, people suppress the truth. They see creation and creation reveal the divine power of God and yet people suppress the truth. Because they are not of humble estate. Whoever trusts the Lord and recognizes who he is, is a person of humble estate. And his mercy, God's mercy, is for those who are of humble estate. He exalted those of humble estate. Verse 53, also he has filled the hungry. Then you can ask the same question, who are the hungry? The reality is that the whole world is hungry. We were all created to worship God. We were all created to be in communion with God. Therefore, we are all in need of God. That's the truth. People are thirsty and people are hungry. Yet, not everybody understands that they are thirsty of God or hungry of God. Remember when Jesus said, whoever is thirsty comes to me. Who should have come to him? Everyone. Yet only those who recognize their spiritual thirst are the ones who come to him. God's mercy is for those who are hungry for God. He has helped his servant, verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. And who is Israel? Who is Israel? Who are those of humble estate? Who are the hungry? Who is Israel? Israel is anyone who has new life in Christ. Those in the past, 
in the present and the future. The new Israel is the church. We are Israel. If we trust in Jesus, we are Israel. Therefore, he has helped Israel. He has helped Israel in the past. Israel, the nation, experienced and saw God's grace and power helping them. Yet, that power continued to be, and mercy continued to be for those who are Israel today. He has helped and continued to help Israel. And lastly, he has spoken to our fathers. Looking back, he spoke to the people of Israel. He continued to speak to us today. Mary magnified the Lord and rejoiced in the Lord because she knew God's mercy. She experienced God's mercy. She sensed God's mercy. She understood that the coming of Jesus, the baby that she was bearing, was actually an expression of God's mercy to the world. Jesus was coming as an act of mercy to save us from our sins. Second, his might, God's might. Verse 49, he, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. He has done great things for me. If, 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 you think about what she's talking about in a personal way. The great things that God has done for Mary was the fact that he chose her to bear the Son of God. That's a great thing. She understood that there is great power in what God is doing, that God is bringing God's Son through the power of the Holy Spirit into her womb so she will deliver the Son of God. That she who is finite, a woman, is able to bear the Son of God. But I don't think that this is limited to that. He has done mighty, or he who has mighty, who is mighty, has done great things. For me, he has also done great things for the people of Israel. The word of God, if you look at the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, you see a demonstration of God's might everywhere. His power. He is almighty. Remember that Gabriel told Mary, in reference to Elizabeth, that nothing is impossible for God. There is a theologian that once asked this question. Can God create a rock so big, so big, that he cannot move it? And then you get, go back and forth saying, oh, well, if he creates a rock so big that he cannot move it, so he is not almighty because he, ha- he cannot move the rock. And if you say that he cannot create the rock, therefore he is not almighty because he cannot create the rock. The reality is that God will not do that because he will not go against his nature. Otherwise, he will not be God. What it means that he's almighty, that he, all things are possible for God, is that he will do everything or he can do everything that is according to his nature. God cannot sin because he's holy. But everything that is according to his nature is available for him to do. Take his word. All things are possible for God. And when Jesus is born, when you move forward into Jesus' ministry, what Jesus does with all the miracle signs that he does, all the miraculous signs that he does, is to show God's might, God's power, that nothing could limit his power. 
You see that also in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. How powerful is God? He has shown his strength with his arm. Historically, throughout the Old Testament again, you see that he has shown his strength with his might. But if you can go back to your life, how many times you have prayed to God and you have seen God's answer? He has shown his might to you. And we tend to forget, especially when we face a new challenge in life, forget about what God has already done for us. He has shown strength with his might. Then we move to the last part of this hymn, which is an expression of God's righteousness. First of all, that's very clear and plain to us in verse 41, 49. He says, he is, I'm sorry, holy is his name. For he who is mighty hath done great things for me, and holy is his name. The first thing that we should think about every time we look at the word holy that is that that means that God is set apart. That he is above his creation. That nothing can be compared with God. That he is above everything that exists. He is perfect. He is righteous. There is no sin in God. And there is sin in every single human being that exists on earth. We cannot compare ourselves with God, but God is holy. And I think that that should bring great comfort to our lives, to know that our God is a righteous God, is a holy God. Remember when we were looking back last week at the fact that Jesus will reign forever, that his kingdom will have no end. One thing that comforts us about that is that we know that we have a king that is perfect. A king that is not moved by sinful passions as the kings of this world. Our king is a perfect king. is a holy king. Verse 51, he says, he has scattered the proud. You can jump to verse 52. He has brought down the mighty. They move Ahead to verse 53, and the rich he has sent away empty. Who are the proud, the mighty, and the rich? You can ask this question. Remember those who are of humble estate, those who are hungry, and Israel is not necessary, especially those who are humble estate and those who are hungry, is not necessarily the poor of this world. In the same way, the proud, the mighty, and the rich are no. Those who have wealth in this world, but you you can have zero wealth and still be proud, think that you are mighty, and think that you are rich because you think that you do not need God. In fact, I I never forget this very close friend uh, who attended a Bible study that I was leading for, for a couple of years and and he became like an assistant. He was ready to answer all the questions. I was thinking like, man, he can lead a study by this point. And we had a conversation and I asked him, and probably I have told you this story before, but anyway, you're hearing it again. So I asked him, so what do you think about Jesus? Do you, do, are you ready? Are you ready to be a follower of Jesus? And he said, Enrique, you know, at this point in my life, I don't need Jesus. 
I have everything. Look, my father has everything. I'm just going to go back to the country where I was, and I will be in charge of all the things that he has. The problem was not his wealth. The problem is that he didn't understand that he didn't have everything. The problem is that he didn't understand that he didn't have eternal life. The problem is that he didn't understand that our Father who is in heaven is the one who really owns everything. So who is the proud? Who is the mighty? Who is the rich? Are those that are referred to in Romans, in the book of Romans, when we, when we read about them suppressing the truth, that they look at the heavens, the earth, and everything that exists, and they suppress the truth, and they create gods for themselves. Sometimes those gods are themselves. But God's righteousness shows us that he scattered, he brought down, and the rich he sends away, empty. Because God is a righteous God. He is a holy God. He is the only one who deserves praise and adoration. Look what he says in verse 54, the last part. Or the second part, in remembrance of his mercy. He does all this because he remembers the promises that he has made. He's a righteous God. And as a righteous God, he will not forget what he has promised to his people. Mary magnifies, praise the Lord, and rejoices in God his Savior because she understood God's mercy, God's might, and God's righteousness, God's holiness. We are in front of this God when we read these lines today. We are gathered together here in this place because we have come. I wish we have come. I hope we have come. We should have come to worship this God who is merciful, who is almighty, and who is righteous. And we see his mercy, his might, and his righteousness in the fact that he sent his only song, our Lord Jesus Christ. He had mercy on us who don't deserve to be called his people. He had mercy to the point of sending his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He showed his power and might by doing that, by becoming flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he showed his righteousness by the fact that on the cross, Jesus didn't bypass his law, didn't bypass God's law, but he went through God's law, dying on the cross on our place, receiving the punishment that we deserve. I hope that we can magnify the Lord with with joy, with the same joy that Mary did. Let us do it together as we pray. God, we magnify your name. We worship you. You are great. You are God. You are almighty. You are so merciful. We don't deserve to be in your presence. You have shown your power in our lives by giving us new life in Christ, by resurrecting us from our spiritual death, and also by promising us eternal life, and future resurrection. You have, so, you have shown your righteousness by sending your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord, for that. We thank you. Help us, Lord, 
to rejoice. Help us, Lord, because many times we don't rejoice. We rejoice in many other things, and we forget to rejoice and praise your name for what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.